Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 76, and today we're having another rules review, because we're fortunate enough to have a bunch of new rules coming out around this time in Infinity for this season. We've just hit new ITS, uh, reinforcements released, resilience ops released, and that's going to be our topic for tonight, is the resilience ops mode, as the cards are now starting to become available and we've actually got a chance to look through those. We've gotten a game in just to kind of test things out. And so this will be kind of a, another first impressions of the format and kind of explain a little bit about it in case you haven't had a chance to play it yourself. But before we get into that, we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mo Games. Uh, Mythics Online Emporium is an online supplier for Infinity that you can find at mo-games.com. And as part of their sponsorship, all of our patrons of any level get a 10% discount code to their store. And in addition, any members of our Discord, patron or otherwise, are entered in to a raffle each month for a $40 coupon code. So to enter for that, you join our Discord, and we'll draw from our Discord members. Because what's better than games? Mo Games. And for tonight, we have Ian and myself to talk about resilience operations. What has the gaming world had to offer you recently, Ian? I uh, see we're continuing on our explorations of Bushido. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've gotten a few more games in with that. And I think it's a really interesting and fun system. Outside of that, back in the Infinity world... You know, I'm testing out my uh, new faction for the season in Varuna, having fun. Uh, I uh, put together a nice list with a five-man orc core, and it did way more work than I thought it was going to. So, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, All but yeah, the ballistic that's, skill. Yeah, that's that's where it's kind of been at. You know, just testing out the new stuff for the faction, testing out the new stuff for the season, and seeing what kind of works and dialing things in. Awesome. Yeah, and for me, it's largely been uh, running demos and uh, trying to get more games in with the plethora of new game modes and rules that we have available. So trying to play some more Season 15. I uh, haven't gotten any more games of reinforcements in just yet, but we did get to try Resilience Ops, which was great, and otherwise just helping people who are newer in, at the game kind of get some games in and you know, join the community. So, yeah, very cool stuff. So, tonight, we're talking about resilience operations. And so, we'll give a brief rundown of what that is for those that aren't familiar. Uh, you can find this in the ITS Season 15 document uh, right at the back. But the short version of resilience operations is that they are randomly generated missions, effectively. So you have a deck of tactical objectives, and you have a deck of battle conditions, and both players have their own deck. They shuffle those respective decks. You draw four tactical objectives and keep three, and your opponent does likewise, and each player draws two battle conditions and keeps one. There's some modifiers to that, but you then... Keep your objectives secret, by and large. I think there was only one public objective in the deck that I recall. Uh, but generally, they're all kept hidden. And then you show your battle conditions, and the battle conditions are things that will modify the battlefield or add additional elements into play. And the technical objectives, of course, are how you're going to get your points. They're all worth... You can get as many as three points off of each card, and then you get an additional point if you get points off of more cards than your opponent does. Now that's kind of the, the short version of Resilience Operations, but we'll dig into that a little bit deeper here shortly. But Ian, what are, you know, what are some first impressions that you had either you know, from the game that we had a chance to play or from when you first read it that maybe you feel a little bit differently, you know, from when you first read it to now that you've gotten 
one opportunity to play some of the cards available. Any Anything really change or catch your eye immediately? So as far as my first impressions, it was... I didn't really have one uh, when the ITS document first dropped because we're focusing on other things. So I knew that, you know, the the mode was coming. I knew that there there was, you know, new cards in the deck and there's going to be kind of randomized missions stuff. Um, so actually getting into the rules of it, looking through it, getting to play it, uh, I actually really like what's there. I think there's a lot of potential to do some really cool stuff that we haven't done before uh, because one thing that I feel it has been missing from infinity is asymmetrical missions and because they're really hard to do especially in a competitive tournament format they're really hard to do um, and be balanced and what I've seen with the resilience ops because everybody's kind of you're drawing from the same set of potential objectives and all potential objectives are theoretically in play before the game starts and that you because you don't really know what for the most part what your opponent's going for that it does feel like they've managed to hit the balance aspect of an asymmetrical mission because you're not both going for necessarily for the same things and you don't know what your opponent's going for. So you're trying to suss it out. You're trying to see what you can stop them from doing uh, without knowing exactly what that is. And I think that they kind of nailed it in probably the best way I've seen the game try to do it uh, to be honest. And yeah, I think that this is a good framework to do some of that. Yeah, I like it quite a bit too. Like the thing that didn't quite stand out to me when I first read through the rules before the before I was able to get hands on the cards themselves was it's all there in the document before we got the cards, but when you start deploying, like, it's a lot of game elements. Yeah. Which was I just didn't really process it until we started like, oh wait, we also have to deploy these. Oh yeah, and then there's that. So for reference, there's two beacons that each player places. There's four HVTs that both players place. And there's three objectives that both players place. And then there's a couple battle conditions cards that can cause you to deploy additional things before the games uh, begin. Like uh, the ambush card will have you deploy mines or the um, there's a defense system failure that has you deploy uh, hostile turrets to both players and things like that. So that kind of caught out, uh, caught me out a little bit when we first started. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh wow, that's a that's a lot of stuff. So I wonder, I wonder how much that might uh, affect events running this structure, mm-hmm. because though all of those elements are placed by the players. They're not in set positions like in most missions where you know it's going to be in the center and along the center line or you know at in the middle of each quarter of the zone between DZs or things like that. You all of those elements can be placed within certain restrictions by the players and it's a lot of elements to have. So I'm kind of curious to see how difficult that might make running certain events with all of these extra things that might need to be available and it likely will just end up needing to be slightly longer rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that if the players are going to be placing them, it might have to go to, you know, two and a half hour rounds instead of two hour rounds for games, just to give enough time because there's a pretty defined order that things are placed in so mm-hmm. that there's enough time to get those all down and still play the game. The other option, which honestly I don't have a problem with, is if a tournament organizer wants to uh, just preset all of the elements, and you know, because they all have a, a very strict, um, you know, like like the beacons have to be placed like touching the deployment zone edge, or the objectives have to be placed in this band kind of thing, and it would be fairly easy for the tournament organizers to just do the each respective um 
tactical element just evenly spaced in the spot that's that the, the band or line that they're supposed to be in. And then that's just, you know, instead it'll be, it'll be the same for both sides, but I could see that being a great time saver and it not super affecting in a negative way, the intent or the gameplay of the missions, especially in a tournament format, because you still don't know which elements your opponent's going for. And then, you know, just do the, um, uh, the combat conditions kind of thing, which might add in turrets or uh, mines, but then that's a much more minor thing to be deploying than everything else. So I, I think that could be a great workaround for a tournament setting. Yeah, I think that that's a potential option if you take the core objectives and have them deployed ahead of time. I guess it depends on the timing restrictions that you have. I think that yeah. it's a reasonable way to save time. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the players being able to adjust mm-hmm. where these things are going because, you know, a given list might be better served by covering one position on a board versus another and having that extra control, I think, is kind of fun. Like, that was one thing that was really interesting in our game is being able to set, you know, kind of have everything set up in, in ways that we thought might be beneficial for our objective placement versus the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if if it came down to it, that's probably not a bad compromise if if you couldn't have extended rounds. But yeah, so as far as the objectives go, there's a pretty decent variety. There are 16 objective cards. So there's a pretty good variety of Things you can get. Uh, Generally, there's a card to interact with each type of tactical element. And the tactical elements are any of the objectives, for lack of a better term, that you would interact with. Because there are the objectives. There are beacons. There are HVTs. um, And then there's also beepers that you can place and uh there's one or two cards that will have to do with that where your troopers can plant a beeper that is destructible but if it lasts till the end of the game you can get points off of that based on uh, where on the board you're able to place it so there's cards for all of those and then there's also a couple of ground control cards so if you control certain zones one zone will give you a point and then typically a harder zone will give you two additional points um, there's also an objective for uh, damaging your opponent's forces. There's a card for preserving more of your forces. There's a couple ways to interact with HVTs. There's things for sitting on your objectives or your opponent's objectives and the like. So there's a pretty good variety of things mm-hmm. that you could potentially draw during this. And one thing that's kind of nice about this is that you don't pick your list until after you have determined the tactical objectives that you pulled, but before you find out the battle conditions. So battle conditions are after list selection. But the objective cards, you get four cards. You discard one, but you can spend a command token to draw and discard an additional card. So you can potentially see five cards and discard two if you do that. So you have a decent amount of control And I think one of the things that stood out to me most is that no objective requires specialists. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. Any initial thoughts on how that might change if you were to go to a resilience operation event? How that might play into your list building knowing that? So it... I don't think it plays in a whole lot because you still want to take those specialists for that. They're like their core thing is uh, not necessarily Ford observer, but you know, your doctor, paramedic engineer hacker, because their utility extends beyond being a specialist for missions. So you still want to have those, but some of the missions, specifically the ones with the beepers, uh, they do incentivize you to have specialists because in with those missions, every trooper carries a beeper, but specialists carry two. So you're able to get more utility out of those models. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think, yeah, you might end up with 
fewer specialists, but I don't think you're going to see them go away because they still have the utility of repairing, fixing, hacking, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable, but it's very, it is very different seeing, because I was thinking before the cards came out mm-hmm. that this might be something that was more focused around classifieds, but that didn't end up being the case at all, which I find yeah, classifieds really interesting. aren't even involved. <laughs> yeah, so you don't need specialists for anything, and the only benefit of specialists outside of their normal function is one of the 16 objectives yeah. that... You know, you can place extra beepers, and so you have, you're more likely to score points that way, which is really interesting because I think yeah. that everything is end of game scoring. Yeah, everything is end of game. Yeah, so every card checks at the end of the game, and you don't know your opponent's victory conditions. You don't know how they're getting points, mm-hmm. which I would say that one of the things that kind of stands out is that having either very durable troops and or having very fast troops are particularly helpful in these because a lot of them are getting to or retrieving some sort of tactical element or Mm -hmm. getting to a zone and things like that. So having fast and or durable troops really help with almost all of those sorts of things, which specialists sometimes are, but are not Mm -hmm. known to be so usually. Yeah. Now like the, uh, the orcs in our game, uh, other than the hostile HVT uh, slowing down <laughs> them. I, so Devin's battlefield condition was a hostile HVTs. So I had to uh, take shots from this HVT and it kept on trying to dodge and stuff for me to uh, civivac it because one of my objectives was to, to grab one and then get it back to my zone. But outside of the wasted orders doing that, the orcs were perfect because they were durable and they were relatively fast. So they were able to get up to basically your deployment zone, do the things, Mm -hmm. and then get back to my deployment zone in, what, a turn and a half almost, pretty much? Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they... they, And that's with some extra expenditure, like you said, with the hostile HVT from hell, who was uh, not going (laughs) quietly. No. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, The the interesting parts, like you said, everything is scored end of game. So I think it really incentivizes going second uh, just because, like, you will literally have the last word on every objective as long as you can figure out what your opponent's doing. And at that point, you know, you knew what I was doing because I had grabbed certain things and hightailed it back to my deployment area. So you were able Mm -hmm. to take some of my guys out to negate some of those points. Uh, So, so, you know, I think it's really cool there. Uh, The other interesting aspect, I think, of this is that each objective, each card is worth up to three points, depending Mm -hmm. on what conditions you fulfill. Uh, So, like... If you're appropriating supplies, that one is, uh, you get an, an obje- a point for each enemy objective that you control. There's, there's three objectives. Uh, but then other ones like, um, if you have, like, um, when I was getting the HVTs, I got more points if I was able to get them back to my deployment zone. Kind of the same right. thing with the beacons. Like, if I get into my deployment zone, I would get extra points. So they, it's not just as simple as doing a thing. It's usually you have to do that thing, do it multiple times, or you know, get it to a certain spot in order to get full points for those objectives. Uh, and, and every single one has things like that. Like even the zone control ones, it's like if I control the zone that's close to me, that's worth one point. But if I can control the zone that's on my opponent's half of the table, that's two points. So you have to do both to get the full three. Yeah, exactly. They're all kind of a a basic, you know, you can get a point or two for the base version of an objective commonly, and then to get all the points, you usually have to do a harder version or more of whatever the task is. So kind of like the the Predator classified card in a way. Yeah. But on the note of like knowing what your opponent's doing, what's interesting is that there isn't anything that prevents you from interacting with elements that you don't have to get. So let's say I had, you know, 
decimate enemy forces, which is kill a bunch of your stuff, and, you know, holding, you know, catty corner tables or quarters of the table and survival to keep my points alive. Uh, That doesn't prevent me from civivacking your civilians or capturing your beacons or doing things that fulfill other cards that might potentially make something appear more important than it actually is, which I think is really interesting if the cards are going to essentially all be hidden anyway. Like it's kind of it's kind of fun that you can bluff objectives that you have mm-hmm. if you have the bandwidth to try other things. Or maybe I have this trooper plant a beaker on your half of the table. Well, while none of the enemy is over there. Well, oh, do I send something over to go destroy that beeper? Or is my opponent just using half a skill to plant that there to try and divert my orders? You won't know until the end of the game. Now, some of them are pretty apparent. Like if you're do, if you have silence, your opponent's going to know what you're going for the moment that you do the whip check and take a HVT off the table. And then they're going to try real hard to keep you from getting rid of a second HVT (laughs) because that was, if you get one, it's one point, but if you get two, it's the full three points. Yeah. And on the note of hidden objectives, I generally like that some are hidden. I don't know how much I like, at least at first glance. Now, I haven't played enough to make any sort of definitive call as if such a thing were to matter from from me. But I think that it would be interesting to have maybe some objectives revealed. Like, for instance, you know, say of the three that you get, one of them is hidden. And if you have, if you want to spend a command token, or maybe you have an interesting command skill like uh, Stratagos, then you can hide an additional one. And then something, and then that would allow you to kind of do the, the opposite, where let's say you had counterintelligence, and if you bring one or more models with counterintelligence, you can reveal one of your opponent's hidden objectives. Or something like that, I think that there would there'd be some interesting ways to play with some of those skills and at least have some idea of what your opponents are trying to accomplish. Yeah. But I don't think it, it doesn't ruin the game for me, but it does. It it's like two separate simultaneous mm, games. I can see almost. that. Yeah. The, um, so yeah, some interaction like that would be cool. Uh, because currently only the priority target, objective is public because it has to be revealed after deployment and uh, your opponent has to nominate three of the troopers that they've deployed and those are your priority targets that you get an objective point each for killing that's the only one that you know about if your opponent has it because they have to reveal it and you have to nominate the targets but yeah so I think that playing around with ways to hide or reveal additional objectives would be interesting just to have a little bit more interplay there. But I do like that by and large, as long as you're not getting most, most card combinations rather will not have mutual exclude mutually exclusive scoring. I mean, if you have survival and I have decimate, sure. We're at odds there. But by and large, I can score a bunch of points off of my cards and you could score a bunch of points off of your cards and we could both have a fairly high scoring game. Not that ours was, but it was possible. Yeah. Yeah, but and as far as like the, you know, you're kind of each playing a separate game that just you just happen to be shooting at each other to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that kind of came up in our game because we ended up tying, even though... Yep. Like, I hit you pretty hard and didn't take that much in return until the very end. Sure. And so it lo- it looked at first glance like I was dominating pretty hard. And then mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, no, no, bam, this is a tie because of this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, which that's, it's interesting. I'd have to play more with it to see mm-hmm. if I still feel that way after some games. But that's just kind of a, after one game, you know. Just an initial initial feeling that I had. 
the, I think having some of those skills around to have additional functions might be kind of cool, but yeah, but yeah, so just something different, but the battle condition cards, I think are a lot of fun because yeah. one of the, one of the things that was really interesting, it didn't come up in our game because we didn't use any, um, any of the zone combat battle conditions, which are the, you know, Arctic space jungle, etc., that involve terrain. But one of the things that has come up a lot and why normal games of infinity commonly don't use terrain rules is because it's like, oh, well, you know, sure, there's some waterways here, but like that only benefits the Varuna player, generally speaking. We don't want to have it just for that. But then they never get to experience the benefit. And ITS has kind of done some to work with that in terms of having, well, mostly zero G and some <laughs> jungle terrain zones. Um, but there was and the mountain, mountain terrain had, season. We had mountain. <laughs> there was a mountain terrain. Um, so that's been kind of a way to help. But every time you see that, it's like, oh, yeah, well, oh, it's zero G again. Good time to be a Corregidor or O12 player or what have you. Well, and you got to put the uh, the the templates down, and mm-hmm. it's and like it's it becomes a, a thing. So. Yeah, but what's interesting with these is that they're random, and you there's a little bit of a selection process. So, like I said, you each player will secretly draw two, drop one, and if both players end up with the same card, uh, you reveal them in initiative order. And so, if the player taking second initiative has the same card as the player with first initiative, they discard that card as well and use whatever the top card is of their deck. So you're always going to have two separate battle conditions no matter what. And, you know, if you are, you know, if you get, say, aquatic combat and you don't have any way to benefit that, you don't have any terrain aquatic and maybe you have little to no terrain total, you can drop that. But I do like that it is a way to potentially integrate those things where you wouldn't see them otherwise because mm-hmm. you don't want to have something that you know inherently favors one faction over another but with both players randomly drawing that kind of mitigates that i think and is a is a nice solution to oh well infinity never uses terrain rules yeah so i i've been well, i was pretty happy with to see those well on the other side of it is that the most of the uh, cards that have terrain on them, the player picks one of two options on the card. So you can kind of look at it and be like, well, it doesn't benefit me, but does one of these, you know, can can I inhibit in some way or can I get a benefit through using the alternate thing? So like the space combat card, you choose either to place two circular templates that are... Uh, the terrain zero G and white noise, which I actually really like that it's white noise because yep. for that one, because it's it's always just been like, oh, a saturation zone. No, no, no. Now it's white noise for this. That's cool. Alternatively, you could say that you play it as while totally inside the area covering four inches either side of the central line of the game table, so an eight inch band across the center, troopers with terrain zero G or terrain total gain super jump in that band. Yeah, you pick absolutely. one one or the other. And I think that that's actually super cool that they have some different options like that. So that, like, yes, Terrain Zero G is going to be useful if this card is drawn. But is it going to be cool? You might move a little faster here, but it's a white noise zone, so you're not shooting through it. Or are we all just going for bouncy, bouncy, super jump, happy time in the middle of the board? <laughs> I think that's really cool. And like they they do a different one for like each mission. Like Arctic Combat is uh, either two mountain terrain zones that are also saturation, or the four inches on either side of the center uh, mountain and terrain total get climbing plus. Yeah, which I think is a lot of fun. That each of those are also. I mean, not all of them are unique, mm-hmm. but. All of them have at least a little bit of something. Yeah. So while, say, the other three, so like jungle, aquatic, and desert combat are all, Mm -hmm. hey, if you're in this four-inch band, you get plus one inch of movement. But the circular templates, like the desert one, is low visibility, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, because we never see low-vis zones. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. 
you know, jungle terrain is still saturation zone, but you know it, it, it's different than the mountain terrain, where the Arctic terrain one, where it's mountain and um, saturation, and then has the climbing plus. So this is mount, uh, jungle saturation, or you could do the one inch movement bonus. So like like they 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 divide up the skills, make them do a different stuff. Um, the combinations, I think that's actually like super cool. Yeah, and what's interesting about these is that none of them appear to be difficult terrain because the yeah. terrain zones don't inherently have that property. So as far as I can tell, mm -hmm. they only have either the saturation, white noise, or low vis property, but not, uh, but not difficult terrain, which is pretty cool considering how much the mission favors maneuverability, I think. Mm -hmm. Then you have urban combat where everyone's faster. Yeah, the urban combat one is cool because that, that one does not, you don't get options, but it is just everybody's an extra inch of move on the table and terrain total gets an extra two inches of move. <laughs> you know, like, yep. woo, let's zip around because we have paved roads and sidewalks. We're, we're good right. here. <laughs> but yeah, so then yeah. there's a lot of other options besides even the terrain ones. Uh, like we talked about earlier, there's the, there's the ambush and each player places three mines outside their deployment zone. So we did that one. It, I drew it. I played it. It actually benefited Devin. Uh, my mines didn't ever go off, but two of his mines went off and actually took out my, some of my stuff because I he buried it, the objectives I needed in between the mines. So that was good. Uh, there's a storm objective or or terrain one, which uh, anybody that has MSV biovisor or X visor gets plus one ballistic skill, which is terrifying. It's really interesting. I'm not going to lie. I brought a Marut list in our game because I was hoping for some combination of Storm for the plus one ballistic skill or Desert Terrain for the low vis zones that I could fire through or uh, Urban Combat because the Marut can get plus two inches of movement with Terrain Total and be 8-4 move. So, yeah, that, that was pretty much the only reason I brought a Marut was I was hoping one of the battle cards would benefit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the CQB, uh, any ballistic skill attack over 32 inches is an automatic failure. Uh, that's kind of goes to uh, some of the old ITS missions. So kind of cool mm -hmm. to see, uh, we mentioned defense system failure. Uh, each player places, uh, two turrets and they're hostile to both players. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a lot of total reaction combi rifles. Yeah. Like uh, hostile civilians. Everybody's a lot. Yep. And then we did, uh, we actually did the hostile civilians. And so the enemy HVTs are hostile HVTs, which slowed me down a whole lot because it just didn't want to happen. Uh, <laughs> and then there, the, the final one is night and any ballistic skill or attack, uh, ballistic skill attack or discover, um, that's over 24 inches becomes low visibility and takes a minus three mod. Uh, or if it goes through low visibility, like if it if the attack passes through low visibility, it yeah. suffers an extra minus three. Yeah. So yeah. So which if is, it's more than twenty four inches away or goes through low vis, it's another minus three. Which is interesting because I would think that multispectral visors would ignore this, but as written, it's just a mod that you know mm -hmm. there are no rules for anything to penetrate yeah. that. But I would think multispectral visor would include night vision. I mean, you're ignoring the low vis zone part. Yeah. yeah, just not the long range shooting part. No, like, but yeah, I think go. that the, these are honestly like part of the most interesting aspect of resilience ops is the the uh, battlefield conditions cards. I think that that's just a super cool way to utilize some of the terrain rules, change up some of the you know mission parameters of how the game is going to be played on a case by case basis in a way that's you know gives a, a little benefit or a little detriment, but nothing that really seems super swingy mm -hmm. unless it's all terrain total. And uh, we're playing on urban terrain and this is going to be a lot of fun. Zip, zip, right. zoom. <laughs> yeah. So I like the battle conditions because they also serve as kind of a nice official source of modifiers for other things. Like I could see TOs taking some of these cards 
and saying like, okay, well, we're going to run a normal event, but we're going to treat every table as though it were night or something along those lines like, yeah. as a way to kind of give inspiration for TOs to change up their event in some interesting way. Um, you know, not that I feel like everything should necessarily use one of these, but I think it's a fun tool to kind of have that feels a little bit more official because CB has created these sorts of conditions. Like, cause obviously you could do any or, you know, all kinds of things without that, mm -hmm. but it's nice to, I think that it's easier to accept something that has been officially published because, you know, there's an expectation that things are more intentional or balanced uh, if they are coming from CB and whatnot. So I think that, that could be kind of fun. So I would say that it's kind of a double-edged sword with new players because I think the game mode itself is probably really good and interesting for new players because it's much less restrictive on your lists. But it does require a lot of elements that I feel like newer players are not necessarily going to have. Like four HVTs is a ton. Uh, and then, like we said, three objectives, two beacons, and then potentially other things besides. You have to have a fairly robust kit of objects <laughs> in order to set this sort of game up. So I think that's kind of interesting. I like that there are a bunch of options. But it is a little bit tricky, both in terms of additional setup time, like we talked about before, and that not all players are necessarily going to have their own objectives at all, much less enough to fill out the requirements for this mission and potential battle cards. So I could see that making it a little bit tricky to adopt for some players, potentially. But I think that the game mode itself is very fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting and dynamic to play through because... You don't know if you're ahead or not. It's a lot of guesswork in terms of, like, okay, well... And, you know, maybe once people are more familiar with the cards, like, okay, you have this in this area, and you've done that, then, okay, I know that you probably, as of right now, you probably have seven points, or whatever the case may be. But that kind of goes back to the feigning objectives again. So mm -hmm. I think that it'll be an interesting way to mix up games of Infinity. But man, I really wish that there were ways to play with revealed and hidden objective cards. Like I think that that really would have been nice. Yeah. yeah so, I, but I the other thing that I think would be interesting with this game mode is uh, because there isn't a mission per se it's it's entirely done by the cards but if they had some different uh like mission frameworks for it which could alter potentially you know how many cards you're doing or like what you're suggesting where you know you have certain cards revealed and certain cards secret that that could be part of a overarching mission framework that they could that could be done you know and you only need like three of these but, you know, as is, this is the first, this is mission one, mission two, you know, you can use counterintelligence or strategos to manipulate the, the revealed or unrevealed status of cards, uh, you know, and have a third mode or something that maybe has different objectives or something. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we don't need a few, but I could see that being something to do to kind of, like this mission, this mode already has a, a lot of variety in it built in based on the cards and kind of the randomness but you know a way to kind of even alter that a little further in some different ways would be kind of neat yeah absolutely i think that, that would be pretty cool and what's nice about resilience operations is and maybe it's a little silly to say for a brand new game mode but i think that it is ripe for expansion like you could easily have additional tactical objectives or and or battle conditions and either have like a separate pack and play with just those cards or you can mix cards in between these assuming the only thing that might make it difficult is if you required more tactical elements or things to place on the table um, then that might get really cluttered 
Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you could have more objectives be related to these and kind of modify things further that way. So I think that this is a really interesting way to do that. And it's kind of, um, there have been other uh, unofficial game modes for Infinity, things like um, 2020 or Yams, uh, things like that, that I think. I only remember playing Yams once or twice, but I feel like it was similar in idea to this. Did you ever play any of those alternate uh, like fan systems? Not really. Uh, I kept mostly to the official stuff. Because I'm, I'm almost certain. It's been, I, I think it was in N2 when I did this. So mm-hmm. it's a little fuzzy. Getting old. Yeah. But I think that Yams was similar where it had randomized objectives in a similar faction to this it was a yet another mission system is what that stood for but yeah so i think that this is a really interesting way to play infinity and it's also kind of nice in terms of the and you know listeners may not necessarily have the same problem but i imagine at least some will where you're setting up your weekly game like okay well what mission should we play mm-hmm. and this kind of solves that you know in a way or can and say oh yeah. well let's just do some let's just do some res ops yeah like Cool. I'll bring my pile of objectives and my decks. <laughs> I mean, I already have that stuff on me pretty much all the time, anyway. So, right? but yeah, I think right. that that's going to be a kind of a, a nice thing with that because I just know that like sometimes picking the mission that you're going to play is kind of an ordeal, and then somebody's like, "Oh, let me just hit random in com log," or you know, "Okay, uh, oh, I don't know that one. I don't really like that one that popped up because it's like you know, you just got annihilation. And you're just like, nah, I'm good, but." Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, this is great for things like that. Um, the other thing I really want to see if I'm interested in is I want to do a couple games where we do resilience ops with reinforcements. Sure. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Yeah, because it kind of seems like that could be a really cool way to do reinforcements with this. Uh, just the way that that's system works and how you're dropping stuff in depending on what cards you've got like that might really alter up like how you're trying to deploy your reinforcements because you know you're trying to think like when you're building your list like what reinforcements am i going to take what purpose are they going to have uh you know it's in a normal like tournament or its mission you know knowing what the objectives are ahead of time you have a good idea of what you want your reinforcements to do but i feel like in this, you have a little bit more freedom in how you're building your reinforcement section because you're not necessarily trying to get like certain specialists in there or you know different things to do a specific mission. So, you know, it might even just be like, hey, I'm just going to take some really cool stuff, bam, drop it in, and I happen to get those zone control cards. And so now I'm just walking them right over into the enemy zone and saying, hey, come unseat me. But I think that there's could be some really cool interplay between those two modes. Yeah, I think that that could be an interesting way to play these because again, of all the hidden objectives, it's hard. Hmm. It can be difficult to judge unless someone actively grabs a particular type of objective or moves a trooper onto a certain, uh, certain object and things like that, that you don't necessarily know what they're attempting to accomplish. And so that kind of keeps the game fresh because you never really know if you're in or out of the mission. Like you don't, you don't know that you're particularly far ahead or behind. So yeah, I think that it is fun and I would definitely like to play some more. I agree that like playing with reinforcements is really, could be really interesting for this as well. And I just need to generally play more reinforcements games. So well, like, think nice. about the um, uh, the decimation mission. Mm-hmm. And if you have reinforcements, like, like you're going for that anyway, but you like you you have to trigger the reinforcements if you're going to get to the higher points value. Like you have to, and then you're yeah. risking your opponent being able to drop stuff in. They've got their better get get their objectives in the middle of the the table. Yeah. You know, kind of things. I, I I think this would be fun. We need to try this. Yeah, definitely. I think that 
more games are certainly in order. And, of course, these are just kind of first impressions of the game mode, both reading through it and getting a chance to play you know, a single game. So nothing conclusive, but definitely trying to get just some idea. I feel like we have something to speak to uh, on the subject. But yeah, so we, at this point, I think we're just about ready to transition to kind of our final thoughts, our first impressions. But uh, before we get there, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons who are able to support the show. Thank you guys so much for your contributions and continued support. We greatly appreciate it. And if you aren't already a patron and are able and willing to do so, you can find us at patreon.com slash metachemistry, and uh, it kind of helps us kind of cover costs for the show, like software subscriptions and uh, you know equipment replacements and things along those lines. Nothing that goes into our pockets uh, personally or anything like that. Uh, we don't pay ourselves for any of this. Uh, this is just so that we can put this back into the show and hopefully make it a better show for you to listen to. So even if you aren't able to do so, we'd love to have you on our Discord. So our Discord is in the show notes as well. So we'd love to have you there where if you want to talk more Infinity, there's always a place to do that. Whether you want to talk about new releases for a certain army or you want to show off some painting projects or you want to get some feedback on you know, terrain that you're working on or whatever the case may be, look at list construction and the like, there's there's always going to be someone there to go over some of those things. So it also uh, puts you in for the $40 Mo Games coupon. So why not, right? But with that, uh, Ian, any final thoughts or wrap-up or other insights after reading and after a game of Resilience Operations? Yeah, I am really excited about the state of Infinity right now. Uh, you know, we've talked at length about the last couple of seasons of ITS being kind of meh as far as like a bunch of extra rules and free models and all that kind of stuff. And now with the current season dialing most of that back and making things into extras and then the addition of resilience ops and reinforcements and things like that. I personally feel like the game as a whole is in a very interesting spot where it's still the tight competitive system that we know and love, but some of the stagnant feel of the last few seasons has been you know it's not there as much it's been refreshed because now we have in addition to ITS we have re resilience ups and we have reinforcements we have these other game modes that they're pushing with support to that we can do and of course that can be uh, done in ITS as well so it's, it's this bigger toolbox for us to play with and I just think that it's in a, a really interesting spot. And I'm hoping that things like this continue to happen, continue to be supported and pushed to the community. And then that way, you know, as, as much as it's, yeah, let's play ITS. And that's been like the focus of infinity and of my career. Uh, it is nice to get some different options, especially if they're also compatible with ITS, which these are. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel very similarly about a lot of these things is that it's almost it's almost like a mini edition changeover with how much has been added to the game this year between the new season uh, reinforcements is a big rules change overall. The resilience operations, the uh, modified classifieds, which most of the classifieds you know are still there, but there are a few things that have either been changed or replaced. And it just makes things feel quite a bit more fresh, which I really like. And I think that this is a nice building block on the foundation that we already have of Infinity. 
Mm-hmm. Like ITS has moved back to what I consider a better place also without some of the erroneous features that <laughs> we didn't necessarily care for. But what's cool is that the one of the things that comes up is like, oh, well, extras don't ever get used. And that's very commonly the case. But I feel like both reinforcements and resilience operations are going to be used. And that's exciting to me because other people have already, you know, we, we've played resilience operations and we've played reinforcements and, you know, have tried out some of these things and are interested in integrating those into ITS events. And it's, I agree that I like the dual use, as it were. Like, these are perfectly fine things just in, you know, weekly pickup games, and they also work in ITS. So we don't really have that confliction that might have, or that conflict that might arise sometimes where, oh, sure, I'd like to play that, but I'm trying to get ready for this tournament. And, you know, so I'd really rather play this mission without that that modification. So I think this kind of bridges that gap a little bit, which I find intriguing. But yeah, it's interesting to see how resilience operation shapes up. I think this is a thing that will become a staple of the game and something that will stick around for the foreseeable future. I'm interested to see where it goes. And I really want to see how other people approach resilience operation games because it's just a very different way to play than your standard, very symmetrical ITS missions, which is great. More options is certainly better in the vast majority of cases. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the future for Infinity looks bright. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, with that, I've been Devin. And this is Ian. And that's the meta.